Amen, amen. Hey, grab a seat, and as you do, get a Bible on your lap. We're in Genesis chapter 24 as we continue to make our way through uh, the first book of the Bible together. And while you turn to Genesis 24, um, I just want to say this. I I think often God uh, invites us to follow him down the path of obscurity. He invites us to follow him down the path of obscurity. Now, I know we know what obscurity is, but we don't use it every day. So what is obscurity? It's the state of being unknown, inconspicuous, or unimportant. Uh, Unknown, inconspicuous, unimportant. Now, um, we know we live in a society that kind of, especially I think the way we think as Westerners, uh, it's it's all about how do we live a life of significance? And and, and culture can kind of try to teach us or disciple us in a way of what it means to be significant. And, And if we're not careful, we can fall into this trap that being significant means like, building a brand and getting a following and climbing a ladder and, and, and all these accolades and accomplishments. But I, I think one thing that's always really refreshing is when we study scripture, it seems that the Lord is, is, is way more interested in faithfulness than he is famousness. And I made that word up, but famousness. He's way more interested in faithfulness than he is just accolades and climbing a ladder and being famous. Now, um, I bring this up because Genesis 24 is, is really unique. It's actually, Genesis 24 isn't really hard to understand what's going on. What's really unique about it is who is carrying the storyline all the way through one of the longest uh, chapters we have in the whole book. Uh, we left it off last week in Genesis 22. Pastor Brian preached to us of Abraham's faithfulness to be willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. And we know the Lord intervened and said, Abraham, no, don't go through with it. But, uh, but I know now you will not withhold anything from me, not even your only son. As you flip the page to Genesis 23, uh, it, it's a, a bit of a sad chapter in which Sarah, Abraham's wife, dies. And, and most of the chapter is spent with uh, Abraham trying to secure a place to lay his wife to rest. Uh, When you get to Genesis 24, though, if if we're not careful, we can miss it. What we're seeing is God fulfilled the promise he had given to Abraham. He's starting to build a family. And and in Genesis 24, really, uh, the whole chapter is about the promised son, the covenant son Isaac, uh, uniting his uh, life to a wife in Rebekah. And, 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 and so Genesis 24 is not hard at all to understand. It's about Isaac and Rebekah meeting and becoming husband and wife. Here's what's really interesting about Genesis 24. It's who drives all the action of the story forward. Now, we might expect that uh, in, in securing a a wife for the son of the promise, like we might expect this to be Abraham's swan song, like his, his last hurrah, his last heroic act of faith before the Lord's going to call him home here soon, and, and it's not Abraham. And we, might, we probably would really expect Isaac to be the one who this is kind of his maiden voyage of faith, and, and he's going to set out and, and find the wife that God has for him, and it's not Isaac. One of the longest chapters in the book of Genesis is carried forward by an unnamed, unknown servant of Abraham. Uh, One of the biggest tasks a dad could ever entrust to someone of finding a wife for his son is carried out by a guy who we don't even know his name and will never know his name. And yet, God's doing something here. And what a gift to us. That as we study Genesis 24, we get this picture of what it looks like to just live a life as a faithful servant. 
Not, not worried about fame, not worried about our name, not worried about anything. It's just what does it look like to live a life as a faithful servant? And so all of today is just about this. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. I hope today frees us to walk out of church for another week going, I just want to be faithful. It doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't have to be glamorous. It, most of our life is, you know what, pretty unspectacular, isn't it? And yet God just invites us to be faithful. So in Genesis 24, here's what we have. Uh, we're gonna see six facts of faithful servants. Six facts of what a faithful servant looks like. And so let me pray for us. Let's get right into God's word and let's let him teach us on faithfulness today. Father, uh, we submit ourselves right now under you, under your word. You are the authority and you have given us the authority and uh, you have given us the authority to live under and the authority is the, your word, God. So please, would we humble ourselves under it? We are not the authority. Lord, you tell us what to do. You tell us how to live. And Lord, thank you so much that you have given us your word to study in order to know that. And so I pray right now, Lord, that you would uh, speak to us through your word by the power of your spirit into the hearts of your people. God, please do it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's see together uh, as we follow this servant on this journey, if we can draw out these six facts of what faithful servants look like. Genesis 24, verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. And so let's understand the command. Um, remember, Abraham was once a foreigner. He is, he's in a new land. And, and now you see his, the son's born, the son's grown. It's time for Isaac to find a wife. And Abraham says, we, we can't have uh, uh, the son of the promise uh, marrying a Canaanite woman. And so uh, he goes to his servant. And, and how does it describe the servant? Uh, it's, it's his oldest servant, and it's the one who he has entrusted everything to. So all that God has entrusted him, he has entrusted to this servant to manage. Now, what's the guy's name? We don't know. We'll never know. He's an unknown, unnamed, faithful servant of Abraham, and he's got a clear commission. I need you to go back to where I'm from and back to where my family's from, and we need to find a wife for Isaac from there. Now, I just want to stop here, and I, and I want to make this first point, this first fact of a faithful sermon, and it's this, and then I want to explain what I mean. Uh, a, a faithful servant first says this, I'm more worried about faithfulness than famousness. I'm more worried about faithfulness than famousness. Now, uh, again, I made the famousness word up. I think it helps us understand uh, where we're going, but you, you should ask the question, where do you get that from the first four verses? You should always ask that question. Anytime someone is up preaching the word of God, you should always be looking in your head down going, where are they getting that? So that you know what is being preached is the word of God being preached. You with me, church? And, and so I, I just want to admit, I'm foreshadowing a bit of what we're going to see about the character of this servant throughout the whole chapter. I wanted to set at the top as the first point that what we're going to see about this man, uh, we're not even told his name. Nowhere in this chapter will you see him grabbing for anything for himself. In his prayers, you'll see that his prayers are about pleading for the good of his, uh, uh, his master, Abraham. This guy 
is way more worried about being faithful to the call and command that his master gave him than he is at all about himself and all about his name. And I, and I hope to prove that to us throughout this chapter. Now, uh, it's a really important thing for us as we think about just living life as faithful servants. And, and let's, let's just, let's just uh, start from a common understanding that, that I believe all of us in here are to be servants, that we're not to be the head, we're not to be the master, we're not the one in control, we're not the ones calling the shots. Why do I say that? Throughout the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, in, like almost, in all of his letters, will talk about living as a, a, a bondservant, Greek word doulos, a, a slave. And he says, who am I a bondservant to? I'm a bondservant to Christ. Paul understood that his whole life was to be lived as a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus says jump, Paul's like, we say how high. If Jesus says go, we say where and how fast. Like he is the master, he gets to call the shots. And, and so we gather here as Christians, as people who have a master. And here's the thing, he's not an oppressive master. He's a good master. In fact, the joy of our heart is tied to following him as our master. And if you're in the room today and you've never believed in Jesus, like I, I, I would tell you today, the joy of your heart will be most full and most found in submitting your life to Jesus as your master today. How does that happen? The Bible says you believe. By faith, it happens. The, the, uh, the miracle of God in this very room is that you can say, okay, I don't want to be the master of my life anymore. I want to follow a better master. Jesus, come be my master. And in his goodness, he comes and saves you. And you begin to follow him as the master of your life from this day forward. And so all that we're studying today of what it looks like to be a faithful servant, we translate an understanding that we are to be faithful servants of our master, Jesus Christ. And the first thing a servant understands is it's way more about just being faithful to him than it's about getting famous, making a name for ourselves. And that's really encouraging for us, right? Because we're gonna probably, you know, turn a game on tonight and we're gonna watch a guy named Tom Brady and his calling in life has made it so that millions of people are gonna watch what he does and, 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 and he's a household name and he's going for like his seventh Super Bowl in 20 seasons and no one in Indiana's cheering for that to happen, right? Here's the reality. You and I, our calling doesn't put us uh, in front of millions of people probably and become a household name. Our calling is just be faithful, get up, change some diapers. And be faithful when the alarm goes off, get up, head to work. Take care of your aging parents. Help the neighbors as they run into things. HGTV's probably not knocking on our doors going, you know, we really want to do a reality show on you guys, right? There's just not much that's like super spectacular about us. And yet our good and gracious heavenly father looks down and he smiles on our faithfulness in those things. And he says, just be faithful, just be faithful. Be faithful to what I've called you to. And we have before us a faithful servant. Now what's the servant's response here? As Abraham's like, here's what you need to do. Verse five, the servant said to him, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. Here's the key line. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife from my son from there. 
But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Twice we see Abraham make this very clear. Don't leave the land, don't leave the land, don't leave the land. Remember the twofold nature of God's promise. You're going to rise to be a nation, you're going to inherit a promised land. So now we have the son of the promise, and, and Abraham's telling his servant, whatever you do, don't take the son of the promise out of the land of the promise. You've got to stay right here. But then he, he reminds a servant of something. He teaches his servant something. And he says, remember though, but what God is calling you to do, God will go before you in. What God has asked you be, to be faithful to do, God will go before you in and God will prepare a way. He will send his angels before you, servant, and you, he will grant you success in this. And it's the second fact of a faithful servant. A faithful first servant says this, I go, I go, knowing God goes before me. As we seek to be faithful to Jesus, he calls us to go. He calls us to obey. He calls us to follow him. And just like Abraham's servant here, we have questions. But what if, and how is this, and, and what's it going to look? And as faithful servants of Jesus, we go not getting all of those answers to the questions that we have on the front end. But we go knowing that what he has called us to, he goes before us and prepares the way for us to walk in it. And it doesn't mean that there's not hangups and hardships and detours along the way, but we know that if Jesus has called us to this, we as faithful servants are just to go, trusting that he's gone before us. And so Abraham's servant's like, I'm gone, I'm going, verse 10. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by, by what's he by? By what? By the well. Okay, take note of this. For the rest of the book of Genesis, when you find a well, you'll find a wife. Okay? It's just how the book works. Fine. When you see well, someone's getting married soon, okay? Uh, and he said, oh Lord, verse 12, look at what he said. So he's down by the well. It's evening time, the time when women go out to draw water, verse 12. And he said, oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels, let her be the one whom, you've have, whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. So outside the city, he comes to a well. A well always tells us that a wife is on the horizon. But what's the first thing that he does at this well? What's he do? He prays. Third fact of a faithful servant is this. I know God makes things happen, not me. You with me? How many of you know that? God makes things happen, not us. How many of you know that? Hands in the air. How many of you struggle to live like that? Yeah. I mean, if, if I, I just know, I know me. I know me too well. If I was Abraham's servant in the story here, I would have shown up at the well. I would have had a plan. I would have started executing. We would have gone after. I would have tried to find. I would have come back, and Abraham would have looked and said, dude, what? what? No. 
It's so easy for us to live like we make things happen and not pray trusting and knowing that God ultimately makes things happen. It's easy for us to just lean on our, our, our past experience, on our own strength, on our own wisdom, instead of, as Abraham's servant does, coming to the place, uh, uh, bowing before the Lord and praying, Lord, you have to grant me success. You have to do this. You be good, Lord, to my master, Abraham. This is all of you. I can't do this. I can't produce this. I can't make this happen. And so how do we know if we're often leaning on our own strength, believing we make things happen and not leaning on God, knowing he makes things happen? I think we, all we have to do is look at our prayer life. I know, I'm just as convicted as you are as we say that, right? We just look at our prayer life. Little prayer means, Brock, high reliance on yourself. High prayer, little reliance on yourself. And so there, there's something I'll just share with you. I didn't share it in either. I, didn't, I, I love you more, 1130 service, okay? I didn't share this in either of the two services. I find myself praying with an intensity on Sunday morning that I don't pray with the rest of the week. And it, and it has to do with the scary fact that every Sunday we, like, we have to get up in front of people and preach the word of God. And every Sunday morning, I'm always convicted, why don't I walk into Monday with this kind of intensity? I'm just as desperate and dependent on Monday as I am on Sunday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And, and Lord, Lord, why am I not pleading with you when it's like 7.30 p.m. and we have like one hour till the kid's bedtime and I'm like, Lord, please do not let me lose it, just one hour left. We need that type of dependency moment by moment. He's the only one that can do it. And we see this here in the servant. Lord, you have to grant me success. And he lays out, Lord, here, here, Lord, could it look like this? The woman who comes and gives me a drink of water and offers the water, Lord, could she be the one? And we know if we're going to depend on God to make things happen. Listen, our good and gracious God is going to make things happen. Verse 15, before he had finished, before he got done praying, before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebecca who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. And he's like, yes. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. Now look at him. Look at him. Look at what happens right here. It's so important. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. I love his dependence there. Everything that he had just, Lord, if it could happen like this, then I'll know that, that this is the wife for Isaac. And it happens just as he prays. But even then, he's like, nope, no, nope, no, nope, I still don't. Let me just look. Let me stop. Let me pause. Let me make sure this is the Lord doing it. Love that. Man, how powerful could just a pause in the day-to-day -day rhythm of our life be? Lord, are you doing this? Lord, should I say this next? The answer for me is usually no, right? No, don't, Brock, don't say that next. And he just gazes, discerning, listening, 
for whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. Verse 22, when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing 10 gold shekels and said, please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? That's a bit bold, right? She's watering his camels. All of a sudden, she's got a ring on her finger, bracelets on her arms. Tell me, where do you stay? I gotta come back with you. She said to him, verse 24, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed, look at what happens, look at what he does. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebecca had a brother whose name was what? Laban. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, he'll be back. If you're newer to studying Genesis, just know this is some foreshadowing here. Laban's going to be a big part of the story moving forward. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebecca's his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man. And behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I've prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, Laban says to him, speak on. And now everything from verse 34 all the way through 49 is just Abraham's servant recapping everything we've just read. And then I came to the well, and, and then I prayed and asked God, and then Rebecca showed up, and then Rebecca said, it's all of just the recap of all of those events. So pick it up as he comes to the end of the story in verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebecca is before you. Take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. Verse 52, when Abraham's servant heard their words, here he, here he goes again, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. Twice we see it in this encounter. He bowed himself to the Lord. He bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. Again, after they say, okay, Rebecca is to be Isaac's, he bows himself to the earth before the Lord. The fourth fact of a faithful servant is this, I stop to praise God for his mighty works often. I stop to praise God for his mighty works, and I do it often. And now you tie the third and the fourth one together. When we know that it's God who makes things happen, when we live lives of dependent prayerfulness, pleading for the Lord, Lord, you have to do this. We can't do this. We can't produce this. It will produce in us a spirit of worship and praise and thanksgiving when we see God do what we know only he could do. But when I evaluate my life and when I look at seasons where it's rare for me to stop and to praise and to thank God, when I, when I just pray for another thing and God doesn't, I just move on to the next thing with zero thanks, it, it reminds me of something. I'm losing sight of the fact that the Lord is doing this. And I'm not taking the time to say thanks, to stop and worship. And you see this here with Abraham's servant. He bows his face. If you can picture that, it's not just this flippant, like, yeah, awesome, God. He is, pro he is down on the ground, face to the ground, praising, thanking God for what 
he has done. Do we stop in the rhythm of our day and just praise God for his mighty works often? You know those people, right? You've been around those people. We're just something that you've always seen as just kind of a ho-hum mundane thing in the day. They stop and they say, thank you, Lord. And it's not like, it's not an empty, it's a, it's a genuine, like they are praising the God over, oh, praising God over, and you're like, whoa, more of that in our life, more of that in our life. And so he praises the Lord for what the Lord is about. Now look at this, verse 53. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the man who were with him ate and drank and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Abraham's servant says, send me away to my master. Now think about these 24 hours, okay? Just yesterday, uh, Rebecca was walking out to water the flock like any other day. All of a sudden, she's got a, 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 a pail of water in front of a camel's mouth, and before she knows, she's got rings on her finger and a bracelet, and the, she's got this, this guy's servant coming back to her house, and, and there's, a, there's a conversation over dinner of her becoming someone's wife, and the next morning, this is the next morning, the guy's like, okay, it's time to go. Whoa! And so you can imagine the response of her family, and, and you, you get it. Verse 55, her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days. After that, she may go. But he said to them, do not delay me. Do not delay me. And now listen, okay? This is where I put my dad hat on. Think about my little girl. Some chump coming into our house. All right, it's time to go. Man, who are you? No. I will tell you when it's time to go, right? But Abraham's servant knows something. Do not delay me. I'm on a mission from my master. I cannot be, be delayed, distracted, or detoured. I have got to get this done. Do not delay me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. They said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men, and they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Oh, how that little prophetic word would become more true than they could even imagine as they uttered it. But I want you to note the response of this master here, and it's an important thing for us. The fifth fact of a faithful servant is this. I won't be distracted on the mission the master gave me. When he says here, do not delay me, he knows what he's supposed to do. And as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, we cannot get distracted from the mission that Jesus has given us. We cannot get distracted from the things that Jesus is asking you to be faithful to. It's so easy to. Uh, you cannot delay faithfulness to what Jesus is asking you to obey. Remember, delayed obedience is just disobedience. And so if you know Jesus is calling you to something, be faithful and obey and don't get distracted. We live in a world and in a time where, where there's so much noise and there's so many people asking for our commitments in so many different directions. You have to know what Jesus has asked you to be faithful to. What has he called you to? And that you would be faithful, the faithful servant to do the things that he's asked you to do. And don't get detoured. Some of us in the room might not even be on like the right path. We're off, we're off on this road over here when Jesus says, no, I want you to be faithful down this road. 
Don't delay. Don't get distracted. Don't get detoured. Know what the master has asked you to do and live it. Obey. Just be faithful. And now, so fitting in light of what, what Valentine's Day a week from now. Look at how this story ends. Now Isaac, verse 62, now Isaac, so back to Isaac. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening and he lifted up his eyes and saw. And behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, who is that man walking in the field to meet us? Can you picture it, right? The soundtrack starts. Isaac's meditating in the fields. What a godly man. He lifts up his eyes. In our story, we wouldn't have camels, right? And the next line, and then he saw camels. No, that wouldn't have been in ours. But he lifts up his eyes, and all of a sudden, Rebecca lifts up her eyes. She looks at the servant and says, who's that? And the servant says, that's my master. That's the one I've been on this journey to just unite your life with. The servant said, it is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. Verse 66. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And so here it is. The grand finale. The servant's grand finale. Fulfilled the mission Abraham had given him. He's taking uh, Rebecca. He literally takes her hand. He puts it into Isaac's hand. And then he just fades off into the background. We still don't know his name. Never to be heard of again. But was faithful to the mission that his master had given him. And found his greatest joy in just doing what his master had asked him to do. The sixth fact of a faithful servant this. I find my greatest joy in just serving the master. My greatest joy isn't tied up to like, how does this propagate my name? How does this help me advance? How does this help me climb? How does, his greatest joy was just in delivering that bride to her groom and fading off into the background. What if we could really live like that? where we would hear the things our master Jesus gives us to do. And we wouldn't worry about, okay, what does this do to our image and our reputation and our and our and getting further and climbing the... We would just find the greatest joy in obeying what he's asked us to do and fading off into the background. And so Jesus, fathers, I just look at us and I say, just be faithful whether anyone will ever know, whether anyone sees, whether HGTV will ever show up and say, we want to do a show about your life. Just be faithful to the things Jesus has called you to. Tomorrow's Monday. The Monday after the Super Bowl, right? And our alarms are going to go off probably at the same time they do every Monday and we're going to walk downstairs pour a bowl of raisin bran open our Bible love on our family show up at work show up at school 
and it'll be a pretty normal Monday. But guess what? God loves the faithfulness of your pretty normal Mondays. And when you wake up in the morning, he's smiling over you just saying, just be faithful. That's good for us and those of us in the room who will never have the Tom Brady story, amen? Just be faithful. Go ahead and stand, church. I've asked DJ to just come out by himself and just pray or just play this, this song as a prayer over us to close. You might know it. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. And I asked him to sing this because that, even that line is so powerful. Just take Jesus at his word. What he says to you as master, just do it. And just be faithful to it. It'll be such a sweet thing for our hearts. So DJ, play this for us as our final prayer.